You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And it's Claire. This is episode 273. This episode is sponsored by 4Athletics. They have a new affiliate program. So if you're a gym owner, you know a gym owner, you're a gym manager, run with a gym manager, this is for you. They have a new affiliate program designed to make getting co-branded leggings for your gym easier than ever. So you know how much of a pain it is to order clothing. 4Athletics has this program now where they've thought through every possible pain point for a gym owner and tried to eliminate it. They have no minimums because they're crowdfunding model. So you don't have to worry about holding extra inventory and they have no waste. They cut out the middleman. They give you the best prices. They're one-stop shops. So they're going to provide manufacturing in America. They provide the design. So everyone gets to see it before they actually do the order um, with renderings. And you can share with the members of the leggings of what they're going to look like. They have printers in-house to eliminate the use of multiple vendors and they ship for you. So Claire and I have tried this program. We did it with some Girls Gone Wild leggings. The around is super fast. What did they say? Like seven to 10 business days after they closed the sales? Yeah. And the best part about it is that there are a lot of, or there are some other custom legging programs out there and the legging quality is terrible. And so the best thing about this is that you still get the amazing four athletic leggings, which are really high quality. High quality. You will love them. Your members will love them. They stay up. The designers are actually CrossFitters. And so they know what is necessary. Um, to make a, a functional CrossFit, a functional legging. CrossFit so legging, aka it passes the squat test. Everybody knows what that means. Let's hope so. Yeah. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, then consider yourself grateful. <laughs> so this week, this week on the podcast, we have Arm and Hammer from the Wadcast, and it's been a long time coming. We've been, I've been wanting to talk to Armin on our show for the longest time. We uh, see him at the games every year, and uh, we got to hang out with him a little bit more at the Morning Chaka Papi Hour at the games this year. So um, Armin, I mean, if you guys don't know who Armin Hammer is, I just don't, do you, do you even go here? I had a little bit of a fangirl moment. I mean, I'm not so much a fangirl because it's like, I feel like he's my buddy, but... <laughs> But I did have a moment where I was like, Armin, you guys are the reason that we started this podcast. So um, you'll get to hear a lot of good conversation. We talked a lot about the changes with, with the games and just in general. He has, I swear, I, I feel like he has the most knowledge of CrossFit than anyone I know. He's the biggest CrossFit geek in the best way. So we really hope you guys love this episode. If you don't know Armin, this is this episode will be a great way for you to get to know him. Don't forget to support the podcast. Go to fourathletics.com and we hope you guys love this episode. Here's Armin from the Wadcast. So I want to start by saying that I don't know if I've ever told you this. Well, I know I haven't told you this because we never really talk. <laughs> like in my mind, we talk because I've listened to you since 2012. <laughs> but um, you guys were the impetus for us uh, starting our podcast. Wadcast. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, the Wadcast podcast was, um, I have vivid memories of listening to you guys when I first got into podcasts. It was in 2011, 2012, um, when I found out what podcasts were. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And it was like something I listened to when I was going on runs or walks or what have you. And I remember finding you guys. And of course, like that's when I was really into, you know, starting CrossFit. And uh, it, it was that moment where you just want to do everything CrossFit related. So I was like, oh, there's a CrossFit podcast. Um, and so you guys were the impetus for, I was like, there's not a voice for women. Like I loved you guys, but I'm like, I kind of want to hear some chicks talk. 
Um, and that's when Claire and I started and it wasn't, I mean, we started in 2013, so we weren't that far behind you, but I even remember going to CrossFit LA in 2012 on a trip. Cause it was like, I was going with my husband on, for a birthday trip and I dropped into CrossFit LA, met Kenny and I was just like, oh, so cool. <laughs> I was like one of those I totally ner- total nerds where I was just like, Oh, hi Kenny. I listened to your podcast. <laughs> you leave and the, and you were like, Oh my gosh, I wish I would have said hi. And so the gym owner like called him and had oh, him yeah. back. Totally. Of course. That's awesome. That's like classic Andy and Kenny right there. That's so cool. Uh, That that feels really good to hear. Honestly, that's so awesome. And I think it's so cool what you guys have been able to do of like, you know, making, making, you know, I I think there are a lot of people who, who misunderstand what this, this community and what this platform specifically is like. And they think it's, it's, it's a zero sum game that if one person's winning, another person somewhere else has to lose right. in order for that person to win. And that is absolutely not the case. The, the more, the merrier. Right. And right. I think you guys have done such a good job of, you know, building out that voice and, and you're hundred percent right. We definitely have no chick representation, not, def- not on the podcast, not on a lot of the content that you see out there. So it's very cool that you guys were able to, you know, take a little inspiration, like, you know, work hard and make something very, very fun out of it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, there's a little bit of me that feels, um, very loyal to the OG podcast community because there's so many podcasts now and I have a hard time taking that mentality of like more is better because I'm just like, Oh my gosh, now it's almost, there's almost too many podcasts out there. But, (laughs) but I agree with you at the same time, like not, there's so many of us that why, you know, everyone has a different perspective and something different to add, but there's always going to be a special place in my heart for the people who started the podcast movement. And so I just thought I wanted to share that with you, but I, I was listening to you talk to about, um, recently on, on the podcast of like, you know, we've, we've kind of gone over the audience for at least our podcast to, to has heard all the changes with CrossFit. So I don't feel like we need to like beat that to death again, because like, we know what's going on. You've did it. You've talked about it on your, um, YouTube channel and, you know, Justin wrote his article and everyone's been talking about it. There's really nothing else to rehash, but mm-hmm. I did notice, um, you were talking about like, there's this sea change with media, uh, CrossFit and media. And of course they had all those changes with the people getting laid off. And, um, I want to talk a little bit about that because, I mean, for the longest time, Claire and I have always been like, why are they holding everything so close to the vest? Why don't they, uh, you know, welcome the people that are trying to talk about CrossFit? That's a, that's a really good question. And I think it is, I mean, it's really hard to answer that without, you know, having been in the room over the past like 10 years, you know, uh, I, I've not had the type of insight into the internal operations at CrossFit um, that some people might expect. I, I know a lot of people who work there and I know a lot of people who um, were involved in the operations, but a lot of this has, has become like secondhand, you know, hearing from, from, you know, Greg a little bit, hearing from, you know, other employees at, at HQ current and former a little bit, and just sort of feeling it out based off of my own experience. So like my read of the situation is when, CrossFit first sort of kicked off. Uh, Kenny actually described it to me recently. It's like, you know, CrossFit started with, you know, middle fingers in the air to everybody. Right. And there's just, there's just this, this huge contrarian attitude 
you know, we're, we're fitter than you. You're not, you can't squat with us. Like, you know, it, it was very, it was very much this, uh, this, um, elitist attitude. And I think in a way it was necessary. Uh, you know, you can go back and see how Greg Glassman's, you know, marketing scheme, I guess you could call it, uh, early on was essentially that CrossFit could kill you. And it was awesome. Like that, that, that vibed with this, the specific particular type of person and from that specific particular type of person grew the community that we've all grown into. And so I think part of that, that attitude of like controlling and, um, and, and having sort of like this, this like, you know, you know, to fuck with it type type attitude of, of their marketing and their media and their communication was that so much of what was going on in the media landscape concerning CrossFit 15 or 20 years ago was super negative yeah. and it wasn't even, wasn't even open to CrossFit bringing in their own perspective. You know, there'd be tons of articles like New York times article, men's health articles, CrossFit's going to kill you. CrossFit's the worst thing for you. You're going to get injured. And, you know, I think, I think what that did is essentially just put, put HQ in a corner and forced them to create their own message because they weren't being included in the, the main mainstream messages that were going out. You know, everyone was just basically saying that CrossFit's going to kill you and that it's a fad. And HQ had to find a way to, to combat that. And the way that they did was by controlling their own media. And in a way, it was a really positive thing because, you know, at first it sounded, you know, maybe like four or five years ago, it sounded like a conspiracy when they were like, yeah, everyone is making shit up about us. And uh, including the NFCA and like, you know, studies, you know, they're making up injury data. It's like, okay, dude, like maybe they're not making up injury data. Like maybe you're just really paranoid. And then it turns out they're actually making up injury data. And that's, that's like in the past few years, imagine in the early 2000s or the mid 2000s when CrossFit wasn't really a thing. And then suddenly the games come out and they're crowning quote unquote, the fittest on earth. And, and, you know, Greg Glassman's publishing a workout every day on his website that he says that you aren't good enough to do, but don't worry, we can make it easier for you. Like those are, those are very, um, those are, that's a, that's a combative stance. Right. Yeah. And so I think the, the control of the media was like a necessary extension of protecting what CrossFit had to, had to do. I think they took it too far because, you know, I, I know firsthand how aggressively protective CrossFit can be. And before there were any real threats to CrossFit in like a, in in like a global sense, they were very, very negative in how they dealt with people like me, people who had blogs or or podcasts. Like when you're doing the naked CrossFit or like, uh, yeah, we can get to that in a second, but like, yeah. You were like banned Completely. from the game. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was I mean, there, there literally <laughs> is, there definitely was, and there probably still is a blacklist of people. Like right. here's the names of these people. These people are not allowed. And I know that for a fact is still going on because even in the past few years, when my relationship with CrossFit HQ has been very positive, I would say, I still was blacklisted from attending any events as media. Like I, I asked for media passes to regionals and the games every year for the past three years and uh, where my friends working in media would get confirmed, I would get emails back that say, we don't give media passes to anybody. And I'm like, dude, I know people who have media passes. They emailed the same person I did 
and they got a different response. And like the only reason why that exists is because six years ago, my name got put on a list. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think, I think that protectiveness was really beneficial for CrossFit in the beginning and kind of helped build it into what it is today. But I also think that now is the perfect time for them to completely change the way that they're approaching it. Because at the end of the day, like, man, if the only appropriate message, not appropriate, if the only like, like message that's coming out about your thing is coming from you, it's propaganda. It's not actually a conversation. Right. And propaganda will only take you so far. At some point, propaganda is going to like kill the thing you're trying to protect as opposed to grow the thing you're trying to protect. And they have to evolve with how CrossFit has evolved, right? So like you saying, you said this on the podcast where you're like, I always knew that I had, I added value because I was talking about it and they need people like us to be talking about it. Oh, for sure. I, I, I 100% agree. You know, I, I have no, um, I don't, I don't have like a, a misunderstanding of what role I play or how big of a role I play in this community. Like I am, I'm still very much a small player. Um, but that's, that's just a product of, you know, of just time. I mean, I think if I keep doing my job, I'll, I'll be a bigger and bigger player over time, but the role, the importance of the role that I play, that you guys play, that other podcasts play, it's 100% necessary. It's just as necessary as the affiliates. It's just as necessary as people walking into gyms every day and doing the damn thing. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for people like us who are huge fans of the sport, huge fans of the methodology, who live the life, who do it, you know, and, and are just willing to talk about it constantly, you know, bringing up all these different points, all these different conversations, all these different uh, pers perspectives and discussions, it would die. It, it may not die immediately, but it would definitely die because, you know, the fact that you and I exist and are doing what we're doing and have been doing it for so long, especially in the environment we were doing it in over the past few years where we were basically being shut out. The fact that we're doing this is a sign of a healthy community. Right. And as media voices outside of the official media voice were starting to die off, that that's like the canary in the coal mine that it, maybe the community isn't as healthy as it seems. Yeah, but I, it's funny because I'm like, the feeling of it certainly was, again, going back to the very beginning, like kind of an uh, inner circle, um, secret society, like the garage boxes that were just like dirt floors. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, there was kind of like this um, uh, badge of honor if you went to a garage gym and you're like, ah, oh, fuck these, you know, very fancy gyms and, um, the dirtier the bathroom, the better type of scenario where you're like, yeah. that's, that's an original CrossFit gym. Um, and then as it grew, um, you know, obviously it had to grow and I had to change, but I always had this feeling of like CrossFit HQ, especially kind of being like this secret society and no one was allowed in and you don't really know what goes on behind closed doors. And I mean, Claire and I got a cease and desist, um, 
when we first started because we called it a CrossFit podcast and we're like, oh, I guess we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you know, yeah, but like, it wasn't like, hey guys, yeah. can you stop calling it this? It was like cease and desist everything you're doing immediately. Right. Like, okay. Well, and you know, we always joke about like the CrossFit van being like the FBI surveillance van that sits outside your house and like make sure you don't say anything bad about Dave Castro. <laughs> that's that's uh that's actually probably much closer to accurate than you you would imagine <laughs> i think and you know i think one of the one of the things to to point out is from a business perspective you know it's very very rare i mean exceedingly rare like mark zuckerberg and jeff bezos are just about it there's maybe like three more uh bill gates who have started companies from nothing and turned them into billion, billion, billion dollar brands. It, it's exceedingly rare. It just doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because, generally speaking, the type of person who can come up with the idea and take it from zero to a million or zero to 10 million or zero to 100 million is usually not the same person who has the skills to take it from a hundred million to a billion or a billion to 10 billion. And I think that what we've seen over the past few years is like these like business growing pains of CrossFit from the fact that they basically still have the same original team. Like everyone that was working for CrossFit in the executive team just kind of happened to fall into that role sometime in the past 20 years. Exactly. And it's only recently in the past few years that they've started bringing other people in who can say something like, you've been doing this wrong for the past 15 years. How have you guys stayed in business? <laughs> yeah. And, and we think, even talked, we talked to um, Justin from the morning talk about that last week where he was like, pretty much their media team was some guy, some gym owner who raised his hand and said, I know how to turn on a camera. <laughs> Exactly. That's not even a joke. Right, That's yeah. actually exactly what happened. They like they 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 were basically like one guy. Like imagine, imagine if one guy was like, "Hey, I I can film some stuff for you," and they're like, "Oh, welcome to the team, director of media." I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Are you kidding me? You're hired. You're hired." Like that's that's exactly that's exactly how it was. Like yeah. it, it wasn't, and and that is, uh, I think that's as much of a hallmark of Greg Glassman as it is about anything else. Like sure. Greg Glassman is very much hands off, and that's for things like, man, you know how to do this better than I do. It's like they don't even have to be good at what they're doing; they just need to know it better than he does. And he's like, yeah, go for it, run with it. And if I replace you, I'll replace you. Who cares? Yeah, do you, Joy, do you remember uh, we heard about the gal who, um emailed them one day. She was like sitting at home watching a regionals or open broadcast. And she just emailed them and was like, you know, I think I could do your on and off air transitions better. And a week later she was at CrossFit HQ working for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. And now she's like their director of e-commerce or something. That's fantastic. <laughs> or she was, I don't know. I'm like trying to, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And I think Joy, what you said about, you know, they have to evolve the message evolves, but they also have to evolve as media evolves because when they got started, like we've kind of all been talking about, podcasts weren't really a thing. It was very much still blogs. Um, you know, I think even like independent media as we know it and already sort of take it for granted today has only really come up in the last three to five years um, with people who actually are skillful being able to put together independent content and contribute in that way meaningfully to a brand rather than 
just having random people, which there are still a lot of random people out there just sort of like peeing in the pool. But (laughs) (laughs) I think, and I, and I guess I get it also from like a trademark standpoint, right? That's where they really come at this from is like the word CrossFit needs to stay protected. Um, and I, but it seems that they also as a brand have evolved to realize like, okay, now we have a, a slightly more elegant way of doing this and protecting our brand. Our brand is more established. You know, one blogger isn't going to send us over the edge out of our trademark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good observation because the, the time is good now because there are people who not only have the time and the energy and the desire, but also the skills to contribute in a positive way. And previously that wasn't necessarily the case. Now you could argue that, you know, it wasn't the case because they were stifling the growth of that sort of thing. But I I think, I think your, your point is really accurate. So just to, uh, just for shits and giggles, I really want to know what it was that you did that got you blacklisted. <laughs> oh man, there's such a long list. Because I of feel things. like there's a lot, but it was it. <laughs> and then so I mean, much. it was just like you had to change the naked crossfitter into the naked <laughs> exerciser. Yeah, there was a whole. There's so many things. There's that so happened. many things, but like you actually um, got escorted out of the games. Correct, and not just escorted out of the games. Like, like you know, some security guards found me. Like Justin Berg the general manager of the CrossFit Games, probably the single busiest human being that weekend, found, found the you. time to find me and personally remove me from the games, which I, I guess in a way I'm kind of proud of. Yeah, but uh, should be. I don't know. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that happened in the few months leading up to the CrossFit Games uh, in 2012 when I was, when I was um, kicked out or whatever. But I would say, um, specifically, it was probably a combination of, I had been using the name Naked Crossfitter uh, on my blog, and the blog had gone from kind of like 90% parody of Crossfitters from like an insider's perspective and like 10%, you know, uh, criticism to like 70% criticism and 30% comedy. And so uh, the criticism that I was leveling at CrossFit in the months leading up to the games was basically like the open was poorly programmed, the uh, the uh, shutting down fight on bad was tasteless, and the CrossFit for Hope replacement for fight on bad was uh, in like just like a really bad vision. And I think uh, there was a couple moments like if I look back at it now. Um, the, the criticisms that I had about the open, I still think are accurate, but I think the motivation behind them were probably more ego driven than anything else. Like I I was really convinced that I was going to be, uh, like at least a regionals athlete, um, or close to a regionals athlete that year. And I was absolutely caught off guard by the open in 2012. And, um, I think there's like a lot of like childish, immature hurt behind me disagreeing with the open. Uh, the open programming that year, but I still think that the open programming that year was really poor, mm-hmm. especially the first couple weeks. And was that the seven minutes of burpees year? Yeah, yeah, that was the seven minutes of burpees year. And the reason why I think it's poor, just to make sure that everyone listening understands that, you know, I have gotten I've gotten over the ego portion of it, but I still think from a mathematical perspective, when you when you program a workout where like ninety seven percent of your 
uh, of your participants are going to fall within like a 40 rep range. And that's okay when you have a hundred people participating and it's absolutely not okay when you have like, you know, I think in, in 2012, there was like 55,000 people in the open. So the problem was like one single burpee was like a thousand spots. Yeah. And that, that becomes an issue mm -hmm. when you're trying to like really fine tooth comb delineate. Now at the end of the day, CrossFit has never given a shit about who's like the 30th fittest person in California. You know what I mean? They just want to know who's number one in the right. world. Right. Um, so, you know, that again, it comes from an ego. It came from like a really bruised ego, like a, a child essentially. But, uh, I still think that, you know, there could be, there can be a finer tooth comb, right? You don't have to like sledgehammer people's souls, um, in order to, in order to find number one. So th those, I still stand by that. Um, but I think the, the thing that really set it off was CrossFit for hope where they sent these posters out. Um, oh my God. For, yes. I've heard. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Sent these posters out to all the affiliates and it was this, it's, it's supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be, a a charity event that's a fundraiser for St. Jude's and the poster is like this weird cartoon, like kind of like grotesque cartoon drawing of like a slutty nurse dragging like dead children in red wagons. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't think like so tasteless, I, tasteless. I don't think any affiliate owner received that poster in the mail and thought, yeah, I'm going to put this up. I'm going to market this to my, my members. Like no one got that. Everyone got that and was like, uh, this is uncomfortable. I, I don't know what to do with this. Like, yeah. I don't even feel comfortable opening this right now. And so I called them out on it and made a big stink about it. Yeah. And that, like, one thing led to another. You know, a couple, a couple emails and letters between lawyers later, and a couple like you know, just maybe, because you called them out. Yeah, maybe maybe some very aggressive, sure. uh, nearly fighting words on okay. Facebook. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know. I, I will also be the first to say that while I, I thought I was very funny, uh, and I think a lot of other people thought I was very funny, there's there's certainly an argument to be made that maybe the most effective criticism is not calling everyone an asshole. So that was a trap that I fell into and immediately just uh, realized that when you're dealing with like other adults, it's probably not the best move to just default to calling them jackasses sure. and morons. Sure. And, and so, you know, people take that personally. Hard I to feel believe. like, I feel like the CrossFit van, like we've talked about, isn't like going to come get me for saying this, but that's kind of their MO though too. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, or at least it has been for a long time, like how many, you know, Twitter fights have there been between the CrossFit social media team and like Reebok. Wait, didn't you get into one too, Claire? A while ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, People fighting with me on Twitter is a little bit different than people <laughs> fighting with like the major title sponsor of their largest international event on Twitter uh, publicly. But yeah. yes, I also have been wronged on Twitter by <laughs> I have been personally victimized on Twitter by Crossfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, they're they're that's you're hundred percent right. I think I think that's been their MO. Like they don't there's a there's very much like a cavalier attitude in CrossFit. Um, you know, there it, it's shown itself in a lot of different ways. 
But yeah, that basically boiled down to myself and I think then the head counsel for CrossFit having some uh, some very aggressive words towards each other on Facebook. And that, I think, was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was essentially like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, my God. I just remembered. Okay. So there was one other thing. There was okay. one other one other small thing that I did, which, by the way, I feel was like, I, I feel like I may have been like wrongly accused of doing something really, really bad, which I didn't. I did not do anything really bad. So 2012 regionals, I I came into possession of a media shirt and snuck backstage at regionals so I could hang out with my friends who were competing. So that that was that might have had something to do with being removed from the CrossFit Games. But it might have something to do with why they won't give you a media credential anymore. <laughs> not, this isn't fair. That, I just I literally had forgotten that I did that because the website has been down. My my blog has been down for years. Like I I have I, I stopped paying the the fee to like keep keep the site up. So I don't I forgot that I did that. But yeah, I I I I got my hands on one of the media shirts and used it to take like behind the scenes photos of my friends. Uh, while they were like warming up and cooling down at regionals, and I guess that's frowned upon. I don't so, know. I mean, didn't you guys, uh, the Wadcast, kind of sneak in the corner and do interviews during regionals too, and you weren't supposed to? But I find that so funny because again, it goes back to like, why wouldn't they want people talking about this? And Claire and I have talked about this ad nauseum. It's like, why wouldn't they want people talking and spreading the CrossFit gospel? It's yeah, so that's funny. A great question. That's yeah. a great question. And yes, we have done that. We've definitely, or, uh, I, I mean, mean, not no, to out you right here, <laughs> not, we have not ever pretended to be part of a, uh, sponsors, uh, booth in the vendor village and carried all of our equipment in through an unchecked, uh, gate and set up in a vendor village place to record. We've never done that. No, not once. Mm-mm. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm like, I, I know better. I've listened to you. <laughs> I feel like the first few times we ran into each other at the games, that's exactly what we were not doing. Right. right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. I remember uh, the first year I think we went in, I was like, are they going to like steal my recorder? But I mean, I think it's just at a point now where they're just, hopefully they are being more welcoming to the people who are trying to talk about the sport and talk about the games and talk about the community. But I don't know. And also, if you go in the checkpoint back by the porta potties, that guy doesn't look in your bag at yeah, all. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he yeah, he He's just some dude who works for the venue. He does. Why exactly. the he could care less. He this could care less. like his summer job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you look, if you, honestly, if you look like you're struggling carrying something heavy, most people are just going to let you through. Exactly. They're not going to be like, sir, put that heavy box down. You're like, on my back. I'm just. Pro tip yeah. bring a toddler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there then, you go. Yeah, so if you have a child in one hand, you could have like napalm in your backpack and they'd be like, that's probably for your child. And you're like, it is. He needs it. He needs it. It's his favorite toy. It's his favorite toy. And they're like, yes, proceed, ma'am. Be pregnant also. (laughs) Really easy to get backstage when you're pregnant. Yeah, they didn't let me through when I pretended to be pregnant. So I don't know. That sounds like some sexist shit right there. <laughs> just you, you just gotta hang out with pregnant people. Just like oh, walk behind go. them very gingerly, like you know they could collapse at any moment. 
Being pregnant freaks people out. It's yeah, really It great. really does. It's really funny. <laughs> Claire and I are going to a podcasting event in a few weeks, and it's all dudes. And Claire's like, I can't wait to freak them out by me being pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. There's something about, so like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to generalize to other men, but there certainly is like this, this gingerness that comes with being a man around a pregnant woman. Uh, I, I guess maybe it's different if it's like, if it was my wife, right? If like my wife was pregnant, I feel like I would have experienced the entire process with her and therefore would be familiar with it. But if, whenever I see like a family member that's pregnant or like a cousin or God forbid someone I don't know, I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Do I, do I like, do I sneak around them? Like, do I try not to like, do I make loud noises? Like, do I not make loud? Like, what do, do I, I do? Like, I, am I supposed to run? Am I supposed to get down on the ground and cover my neck? Like, yeah. Yeah. I can't do like, what, what are the buttons I cannot push here? I feel like anything could be like the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And like, either I have a, either I have like a baby popped out right in front of me or a screaming <laughs> pregnant lady at me. Like, I don't even know. I don't know what's going yeah. on. Spontaneous rage birth happens all the time. (laughs) Rage birth. (laughs) Rage birth sounds like a great metal band name. I was just going to say that. I could see a total like metal band. Spontaneous rage birth. We're starting a band. We just started a band. I hope you play an instrument. But it doesn't matter because in metal, like heavy metal bands, it's just loudness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can do loudness. You have the hair for it. Yeah, I do. Spontaneous rage birth. Our first album can be called. Mm, no, I'm gonna just baby napalm. <laughs> yeah, baby napalm. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. Um, have you guys talked to Dave Castro on the show before? Uh, we have. So uh, we've had like Wadcast has had a decent relationship with Dave. Uh, basically through Scott. Scott has known Dave a few times, um, has met him a bunch of times uh, because of his work. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, Dave was, when Dave first started doing podcasts, like I think the first one he did was Julie Boucher's. But soon after that, he'd given us confirmation that we, we'd be able to have a show with him, but it would require us to be down in San Diego with him. And that was really difficult for us to schedule. So it never occurred. Yeah. Now, I've reached out to Dave separately and have gotten crickets, but I think potentially I have an opportunity to interview him sometime in the next like month. And if that actually comes to fruition, I I'm a hundred percent taking that chance to, uh, to talk to him. Yeah. What are you going to ask him? Um, you know, that's, that's a good question. I think I feel like a more professional, like, journalist or like professional talker would know what they want to talk to somebody about. But I just kind of want to, I just want to talk to him. Yeah. Like I, he's, he's such an enigma to me. He's so good at what he does in terms of programming and putting together like the vision of the games. And he's so critical of his own work yes. in a way that, that pushes it forward. But at the same time, He's, he seems like he takes it very personally when other people are critical of him. And I get that same sense, too. I mean, I've never talked to the guy, but I just get that from what I see and what I hear. It's wild, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a really wild combination. And I, in a way, I, I respect, like, you know, not even in a way. I really respect what he's been able to do. Like, the where the games have gone is very much a reflection of Dave Castro's work ethic and vision. 
And that's that's both good and bad because the games over the past few years have essentially become the Dave Castro games. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's interesting, but it also kind of has moved away from what made CrossFit CrossFit in a lot of ways. And I think the the moves with the new season are a direct response to that. It's it's more of this affiliate model of the games as opposed to like a, a very like stranglehold control model of the games. So I, I, I think I really just want to have a conversation with him and pick his brain because I feel, you know, I feel like I know a lot about him, mm-hmm. but I would love to get his, his perspective. Like, you know, the obvious questions are like, what do you think of the new format? But I think asking questions like that, you're only going to get, you know, party line answers. Right. I think more than anything, I just want to, I just want to, I think it's, I think it's important that he spends so much time in the limelight. He spends so much time in front of people and in front of the camera, and he only ever presents one thing. He presents the thing that he wants you guys to see. Like, if you buy into Dave Castro as he presents himself, then then you're just buying what he's selling. And I think it would be interesting just to have a normal conversation with the guy and see what the real person behind that that persona is right like who's the actual person behind the character that to me is interesting yeah i agree with you because everything that i've seen i mean claire and i have kind of joked about dave uh from the beginning about how he seems to be like this character and um i guess he's said on the one of the crossfit documentaries where he's like everyone needs a villain if i need to be that villain i'll be the villain but from what i've seen in the the interviews or you know just the little snippets here and there I'm like oh he's sensitive like he's a sensitive soul I can just tell like there's little things that that kind of creep out every once in a blue moon so I you know the the character and the personality that I think a lot of people just go off of um, you know that he's kind of like this prick and he's this you know whatever full of himself and he's you know wearing Versace to the open work <laughs> announcements like. <laughs> Like that to me is like, oh, that's so not who he is as a person. Sure. And it feels like, listen, it, listen all of those things can be true. He can be a prick sure. and, and also sensitive, right? Like all those things can happen at the same time. But it, it really, it, like the more of those things that are happening at the same time, the more interesting of a person he is. And I feel like he's really shied away yeah. from like fully fledging out who he is for the public. You know, because, you know, something that a lot of people who have interacted with him tell me is that he's a very cool dude. Yeah. Like, he's the type of guy that you just, you just like, oh, you're, you know, you're kind of a dick, but you're actually really fun to be around and like, you're funny and it's interesting. Like, there's, there's like, there isn't really that ego or character in person. And I think it would be really interesting to kind of just dig past that, like, you know, let's see, let's see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I'm, I don't need to make like a, you know, it doesn't need to be like a therapy session where we start talking about like his relationship with his mother or something right. and seeing like why his personality is the way it is. But I think it would be interesting to just be like, Hey man, like be real. Like, what is this all about? Yeah. But I think this, that's the intrigue too. That's the intrigue of, of him being a character and that persona and the fact that, you know, his Instagram <laughs> account is like the most random <laughs> 
collection yeah. of books and music and he doesn't follow anybody. I mean, it's just that whole piece of what we're judging on the outside, which, you know, we all, we can all be pricks. We can all be full of ourselves. We can all, you know what I mean? Like, it's so funny how mm-hmm. we're so quick to kind of put that label on him just because of what he does and how he chooses to do it. But well, keep us posted. I'd love to. <laughs> I'm so oh, for sure. I would love it if you uh, got to interview him. Claire and I, it certainly won't be a secret. I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's there's plenty of stuff that I've been working on that I just have either like it's been too busy to actually fully fledge out and publish or it's just like, all right, it's fourth on the to do list. I'll get to it next week. And it just keeps staying like third or fourth on the to do list. There's a lot of stuff like that. But I guarantee you an interview with Dave Castro would immediately get bumped to the top of the list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What else is on your to do list? Oh, man, it's crazy. I actually had like kind of like this moment yesterday where I was, I got really overwhelmed by what I've been, um, what I've been doing because I've ever since, uh, basically since the games, like I've, I've had a lot of stuff on my plate. (laughs) It's been, it's been wild. And like, I was going through my, um, I was going through my, my edit deliverables. I just kind of, I kind of, every day I sit down in the morning, um, I have like a notebook, and I just write out, you know, here are the things I need to get done today. And I have like a hierarchy in mind and, and that sort of thing of like what's most important. And I'm able to generally run through like 60 to 80% of my to-do list every day, depending on, on what exactly it, it is. And so uh, I kind of sat down like yesterday morning and I looked through and I was like, all right, let's just see let's see where I'm at on my to-do list. Let's see where I'm at with like my, my editing projects and all these, all these videos. And I stumbled onto like six projects that I had shot between the games and the past and basically at the games and at Granite games and between those that I had not finished editing. And I was like, Oh shit, (laughs) this thing is going to be a nightmare because now there's, now there's literally like six videos worth of projects that are that are either just sitting on the back burner, half finished, or uh, or like nearly finished that are that just keep getting bumped for other things. Right. And um, and it's you know, content that, that probably needs to be put out sooner rather yeah, than later. Yeah. It's content to me that's really interesting and funny, and some of it is, you know, some of it's not. I wouldn't say evergreen, but close to evergreen. Like you know, it's it's interesting enough that I could release it in a month, and it would still be interesting. But some of it's also really topical, and so I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I had like a little moment yesterday morning of like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like, how am I, how am I going to handle this? Um, you know, how do I make this sustainable so I, I just I don't like burn out immediately? And uh, I don't yet have an answer to that question, but I'm I'm trying to find a good balance um, of of doing this. I, I have to constantly remind myself to like. You know, I'm one person, so like editing. Uh, when people see the videos that come out on my YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, and it's you know, here's like a three to six minute long video, they don't see the two and a half hours of writing and I... shooting and editing uh, that goes into each one of those yeah. videos. And they're and really so, good, Armin. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, you I, put I think, together really good content. Thank you. Uh, it's been it's been a long road of developing. Um, how to actually make that happen. Uh, but I think I have, I have a good grasp of, of what is moving the needle right now. And I, I want to 
keep being able to do that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really committed to putting out a ton of high quality content. It's just, uh, I think the important thing to realize for me, like I'm, I'm the type of person that will dive headfirst into something and sacrifice like every little thing that could possibly bring me any sort of comfort or joy or stress release just to continue working. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that has been really challenging. Finding that balance has been really challenging. Something that I'm, I'm hoping to, to hone in because with 16 sanctioned events and sort of the things that I have planned and, you know, it's very easy for me to build an impossible schedule for myself. I think it would be much more responsible for me to build a possible schedule for myself, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're doing like, how many other side projects? I mean, how many projects I should say do you have going? Because um, I know you, okay, so you okay. have a podcast, you have Arm & Hammer yeah. TV, you have, it looks like you've, you're creating some other shows. Yeah, I have two other podcasts. Uh, so I have Wadcasts. I have SAN, which stands uh, originally stood for scale is needed. Um, but now it every week we come up with a new acronym for it based off of uh, listeners. And then I have a music review podcast called Four Ears, uh, where it's me and my buddy Chase. Between the two of us, we have four ears. You see what we did there? Uh, uh, and, I like uh, it. We do in-depth reviews of... Uh, Sometimes new music, sometimes old music, sometimes we use themes, but you know, generally we just do in-depth reviews on on songs and uh, albums, that sort of thing. And then Arm and Hammer TV uh, on YouTube, which has uh, a bunch of different types of content on it, but it probably right now is mostly these uh, sort of like news breaks, um, you know, in in you know anywhere from four to five minutes, three to five minutes, little videos explaining, uh, trying to explain at least very clearly what people need to know about what's going on in our world right now. Mm -hmm. And then there's maybe, there's like three other concepts that I'm trying to flesh out that I think would be massive improvements to how, uh, how sort of our sport is being covered right now. Um, and the types of things that people are, are really looking for to consume, but all each and every one of those is its own big giant thing. So it's, it's really tough to, it's really, it's really tough to find a way to, to balance all that stuff out. But little by little, I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to build it. So between all the videos and the podcasts and, uh, the channels and all that sort of stuff, it's just one me like waking up in the morning and drinking way too much coffee throughout the day. Yeah. I was going to say, is it just a team of you doing all this shit? Like, yeah. I mean, like, you know, obviously Wadcast is and the other ones you have like buddies, but you're, you're like mainly doing all this on your own. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every little, everything that comes out on any of those channels has, um, not, not necessarily like the lightest touch that I have is participation and that participation is probably only in Wadcast where I'm I'm sort of like not a hundred I'm not like not in it a hundred percent of the way of doing all the editing, doing you know, luckily we have Machete and Eddie is on there and like we have we have people who are, you know, talking to sponsors. Like I don't have to deal with all of that. Yeah. But on basically everything else, I am writing, shooting, editing and posting and marketing everything on my own. Uh, so like all the audio editing for our podcasts, all the, uh, filming and audio, uh, uh, studio work for our podcasts. I do all of that. 
um, all the producing for the videos. I do all of that. Um, luckily, some of some of the, the people that I've made friends with over the past few years are very talented people who have like pointed me in the right direction of the best ways to do that. So like, you know, I don't know if you, you've seen the videos that we did. Um, like I did the 300 pound crossfitter video where uh, Cliff, uh, my buddy Cliff, who's like a 300, who literally a 300 pound crossfitter and I, I put on like a hundred pound backpack and we went head to head to see who's fitter. <laughs> And so like that was an idea that we had had years ago and he's one of the co-hosts on Scales Needed. And so uh, he and his brother, Kyle, who's another co-host on Scales Needed, we just kind of like got together, uh, you know, put some ideas on how we wanted to make it happen and then like shot it over the course of an afternoon. And then I edited it and turned it into that video. And then the same thing happened when Chase and I went out and did uh, a video with Bethany Shadburn where we basically tag teamed a workout against her to see if we oh, were fitter right. than her. <laughs> you guys did it. <laughs> yeah. We barely beat her and it was really impressive. But like, that was another thing where it was basically Chase and I, I was like, Hey Chase, I think this would be a good idea. Are you in? And he was like, yeah, for sure. And and we went, we drove up to, you know, she's maybe half an hour away from us in Austin. Uh, we went, hung out with her for a little bit, trained with her for a little bit. And then over the course of like the next week, I, I edited that video down. And so that, that really is, I'm very lucky to have people around me like that, you know, that Kyle and Cliff and Chase and, and a lot of the other people that I've worked with are, are open to helping me and just being like, Hey, here's some suggestions and people who listen and watch it helps so much when they send me questions and ideas, because at the end of the day, I'm trying to, to participate in the same conversations that everyone else is having. So if I'm making videos that are like not at all representative of the things that people are talking about, then it's a waste of everyone's time. Right. So it helps when I have like the community helping me out. Right. Yeah. So that, that's very, that's very nice. So what is your, uh, I'm, a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up, but I, what is your, cause okay, the podcast is great. Like you can keep that going, but what is your desire of like creating all these different pieces of content, like the Sam podcast or the four years podcast? Is it like you just have different interests that are coming out of this or you want to like, you know, doing one thing over and over again, you start to get bored. Like what is the desire to do so many? I guess the answer to that is, I know what I like to do. I like being a voice. I like giving my opinion and I enjoy analyzing and overthinking things. Like that's one of the things that we do a lot on that music review podcast. Like we'll take songs that people have heard a million times and we'll just like, just go so deep on top. Like at least from, for me, from my perspective, yeah, like we'll just we'll go so deep on like why, you know, the theme of this song matches the rest of the album and where it fits in the concept of the, you know, it's like, and it's like, oh, you're talking about rap, dude, like that. I don't know if that's actually there. And it's like, no, no, it's there. Like I can make it happen. If, if I can see it, I'll talk about it. And I think that is one thing that I like doing. <clears throat> I really like, um, Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry. I know. You, it's it's really it's really um common for people to get choked up when they're talking to us just because it's really <laughs> emotional. It's, just, it is, it's such a powerful moment, guys. Um yeah, so I, I just I have this desire to create and um I create in a lot of different ways and I have been driven to create ever since I was a child, but only recently do I feel 
that I've been able to embrace that side of, of who I am and what I do. And there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's strange to call it creation, but that's exactly what it is. There's a lot of creation that happens in my life on a daily basis that I, that happens just for me. Um, things that people don't see, things that people don't read that I just, I feel like I have the opportunity to channel this creative energy and I have to take it. And so I'm driven by this need to continue creating this content. And as long as people are, are listening, I think that's important um, for me to be able to like let that out, you know, but it's not necessary for people to be listening for it in order for me to be doing it. Like, I think I still would be doing these creative things even if I didn't have an audience. I'm lucky enough to have an audience and it's not, and the overarching thing isn't this egotistical like, oh, I am a creator and you need to listen to what I'm, what I'm creating. Um, I think the overarching thing is like, if you look at the majority of the things that I'm working on are built in this community of CrossFit and fitness. And I think that's a reflection of the things that I enjoy the most. I love this thing. Like mm -hmm. it, it changed my life. I found it as a teenager 10 years ago and it changed my life. And I cannot, I cannot, uh, you know, I can't minimize the effect that this has had on me as an individual. And I know that I'm not the only one who has been affected by this in that type of a positive way. And I feel like I'm, I'm very well positioned by someone who's been in this space for as long as I have, who knows the people that I have and who has the knowledge that I have and the skills that I have that I can, I can contribute to the well being of our community. Like I can contribute to the conversations that everyone is having around the sport of CrossFit in a way that actually brings something to the table and gets people excited and pumped about the new CrossFit Games format, for example, or gets people excited and pumped about, you know, an athlete and their journey. And I think, you know, I, I'm happily, luckily capable of doing those things. And I want to keep doing that. Like my goal is if I can participate in all of these conversations or start these conversations, then I've achieved what I want to achieve. Without the tie to how many followers you have, right? Like, I think that that's the important piece. I think a lot of people struggle with, especially when you're creating, is like if you, you're you caught in the comparison of like how many stupid followers, not stupid, like, <laughs> you know, like the number of like who's Absolutely. listening, where I think a lot of us fall into that where it's like, okay, so-and-so has more followers than I do. But at the end of the day, what's really important is that you're connecting with people. It's not about, you know, the 1 million followers where you really don't have like a true community, but right. you have such a good way of communicating. I'm not really not trying to like blow smoke, but you really have a good way of breaking things down. You are obviously passionate about CrossFit. Like I remember you saying one time where you're like, I didn't really love like watching sports where CrossFit was something I could just so like get into and talk about all the numbers relating to everything that they're doing. Like it was your way of doing like fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah. And the nerddom of it. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you, you're really good. So I, I hope you just keep doing that because you, you do have, you have a unique voice with it in a way that's just like people, a lot of people connect to it. And obviously you. you're like one of the first, um, 
creators of content in the blog and podcast space for CrossFit. But what is the what do you see as is the future for the podcast? The podcast has been going on for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like it feels like we've been doing this thing. Uh, every week for the past six and a half years because we have been doing this thing. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're doing it um, for that long, I noticed that like not every single one of you's on the show every week, like keeping it um, like a variety of uh, taking, I guess, taking the reins every week. Has that helped or what do you feel is, is the future of what you, how you guys are going to work that? It has helped and it also hasn't helped in ways. Um, You know, it, it, it does at a certain point, get a little grindy. Um, you know, I think, I think the, the challenge, the real challenge with the Wadcast is that we in a way did a really good job of talking to a lot of people and, um, we kind of wrung some of the community that we were trying to serve pretty dry over the past six and a half years. And, uh, you know, Scott, absolutely crushed it with, um, you know, his work on our social media and helping book all the guests, like, you know, basically 95% of the guests that you've heard on the podcast on, on podcast podcast over the past, like five and a half years or six years has been thanks to Scott. And so, you know, Scott was absolutely crushing it, um, bringing in these like wonderful guests. And, uh, you know, I think in a way his success in being able to build that type of a roster for us almost made it hard, harder for us to like keep pushing past like the six year mark. We basically hit like episode 300 and all of us kind of looked at each other and we're like, what's going on? Like, why, why, what is happening right now? Because at the end of the day, we also, you know, Eddie and I, who are the, the owners of the Wadcast, we don't make any money off mm-hmm. of Wadcast. We lose money every single day on the Wadcast. And so it's not, it's not even like a, it's like a hobby that you like, you, you like burn money on. Right. Right. And so that, that's an environment I think that makes things really tough. So to answer your question of like, what is the future of the podcast? I have no idea. Um, I'm still, I still really love what we did with that show. I still love what's going on with that show. I don't know what the future holds for it. I think every week we basically recalibrate and just, are like, hey, do you want to record? Yeah, and that, that's exactly it, it. It sounds like that to people who are listening because that is exactly what it is like. Yeah. We literally every week reconnect and are like, okay, you guys want to record this week? And when we get yeses, we record, which is basically every week. And when we get nos, we argue about it, and we're like, why don't or why don't you want to record or, or you know, this is why I want to record. And like, do you, you want know, to break so up now? <laughs> Right. There's, there's, there's a, it's, it's tough. It's a really tough, uh, it's a really tough balancing act. And I think, you know, I think given the situations that the three of us are in, Scott has an actual job with, with a lot of hours Mm -hmm. that he takes very seriously and he should. And then he also has this DC way, which allows him to explore interviews and podcasts in a way that, that really resonates with his vibe. Yeah. You know, Eddie is a professional comedian, travels, he's trying to develop TV shows and write for TV shows and act and all that sort of stuff. And I have, you know, I I had Flow Elite for a while and I I have my own uh, channel where I think I can, I can more 
constructively contribute to what's going on in, in our space. And so with all of us sort of in a bunch of different directions and physically in different locations, just the fact that we still put out an episode every week is is shocking to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's so it's, it's cool. Though. I feel like that's something that Claire and I always talk about where we're like, how much longer is this going to go on? Like, you just don't know because you, you never know what's going to happen with podcasts. But as far as we're concerned, we're always like, well, every single week we still want to do this and we still have fun. So, I mean, and we do, we do the same thing. We're like, Hey, you want, when can you record this week? Like, we're not like planning oh, out this sure. like year long, like it's so spur of the moment. But I think that's the beauty of the wodcast for you guys is you develop that dynamic with the three of you and the relationship with you that that is that what, that is what works for you, you know, and you guys yeah. have all vibed into that routine, no matter, you know, how random it is. It's still kind of like this routine of just being like, all right, can you do this? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Let's do it. Um, all right. Well, I will look forward to more episodes of the podcast then, but um. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I promise you there will continue being episodes of the podcast. Just who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's so, right. it's so hazy. Yeah. So where can the listeners find you now on all of your socials? Um, I am at Armin Hammer TV, just A-R-M-E-N Hammer TV. And that's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, definitely YouTube. YouTube is like my main channel right now. I'm putting uh, most of my energy into video content. And, uh, you know, you mentioned something about not really worrying about followers or subscribers. And, and I think you're 100% correct. Uh, I've been lucky enough that it's been growing very, very rapidly um, over the past three months or so since I launched this, this channel. And I'm very, very grateful for every single one of those subscribers. But my mindset on this whole thing is, uh, is the concept of chop wood, carry water. Mm -hmm. Not super worried about what my stats and analytics are telling me every day. If I, if I worried about my analytics every day, I, I would go crazy. Yeah, um, the, like only the equivalent thing of like about, weighing yourself every day. It's like, it yeah. just doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And you know, getting that type of a, a slice of data every day actually probably doesn't give you an accurate perspective on what's going on. Right. You're, you're better off weighing yourself or checking your analytics every two weeks yeah. uh, and seeing what's going on that way, or maybe every week or maybe even once a month. And that way, you know, you don't really worry about those minute fluctuations that happen every day and you can see the trends over time. But uh, yeah, all I worry about every day is what can I do today to continue uh, adding more and more into into this this space, right? What can I continue to do every day to contribute to these conversations and what can I continue to do every day to make the best content possible? You're doing it, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's well, been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I look forward to to keep watching you. I just I really do love your videos. And so listeners, please if you haven't already checked it out, go to Arm and Hammer TV and watch your videos are really funny. I like how you edit them together because they're just like really pleasing to watch and funny. Um, thank you. Well, thank you again, Armin. It's been so fun talking to you, especially because uh, like I said, it's been like the OG Oh, you have a puppy. Yeah, I have my two dogs. They were they've been quiet this entire time and, and now at the very it's so end. So appropriate. Like, it's our last so chance. Fun. Yeah, it's like we can finally say something. <laughs> no, but I just wanted to say like um again, I it's been an honor talking to you just because I feel like at the beginning of uh even starting Girls Gone Wild, it was like you guys were the inspiration and um really kind of launched us forward. So 
we'll keep watching what you're doing because it's, thank you uh, for that it's really inspiring thanks guys i really appreciate you having me on the show joy and claire yeah. you guys are the best thanks so much you're the best. <laughs> bye Armin. bye, bye.